0: Well, hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us to our Wednesday in the Word. We are grateful for your presence and certainly your attention that we might be able to walk through the Word of God together. I want to ask you to go ahead and get your notes. I'm Anthony Moore, serve as a senior pastor here at Carolina Church, and um, honored to be able to have you in class on today. Um, I'm going to continue our study on self-discipline. Self-discipline, we initially started our study for the semester on the mind, but um, here of the last three weeks we've been dealing with discipline. And so this is part three of our self-discipline. I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and get your notepad and your pens that we might be able to take some copious notes that we could utilize as we are attempting to grow in the Lord um, in 2022. Lacking discipline or self-control is dangerous. It provides only temporary pleasures, but leaves us with long-term pain, remorse and regrets. I I wanna give that to you again. Lacking discipline or self-control is dangerous. It's dangerous. It provides only temporary, it provides only temporary pleasures, but leaves us with long-term pain, remorse, and regrets. How many persons have ended up in jail because of lack of discipline self-control? How many persons are in the cemetery because of lack of discipline or self-control? How many of us end up with debilitating diseases because we have lack of discipline or self-control over our appetites? How many jobs or wages have been lost because of lack of discipline or self-control? How many persons have received DUIs because you lack the discipline and self-control to not drink and drive? How many of us are in debt because we lack discipline and self-control with our spending? How many of us have said some things that we wish we could take back, did some things we wish we could do over again? gave up some things we wish we hadn't, or took some things that we wish we hadn't? How many missed opportunities have we missed out on because of procrastination? How many toxic relationships have we repeatedly entered into because we lack discipline or self-control? I'll say it again lacking discipline and or self-control provides only temporary pleasure, but leaves us with long term pain, remorse and regret. It bites us in the behind. And all we do is beat ourselves up, wishing that we hadn't given in. Without discipline and or self-control, We are sure to end up acting imprudently and impulsively. We're bound, we're bound without discipline and self control. We're sure to end up acting imprudently and impulsively. Imprudently means to be unwise or um, indiscreet, not showing care for the consequences of an action. Impulsively is without forethought. It's um, on impulse. Now, we established on last week that self-discipline comes from God. It comes from God. Take a look with me at 2 Timothy as I again establish the fact that self-discipline comes from God. It is of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this you all, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So it's through the Spirit that God gave us that enables us to be disciplined. Now, the word discipline in the Greek is the word in Croatia, in Kratia, in Kratia, E N K R A T I A, T E I A. That stems from the root Kratia or Krat, Kratia, K R A T E I A, the root of that word, which denotes power or lordship. The etymological study of the word discipline helps us to understand and see discipline from the vantage point of exercising power over oneself. It's it's the ability to keep oneself under control. Now, Discipline may seem difficult at times, but it's harder to live a life without discipline. It may seem difficult at times, but it's harder to live a life without discipline. Without discipline, we'll be tempted to make easy short-term choices, even though the outcome may lead to negative long-term consequences. Discipline isn't easy but we make it way more difficult than it has to be simply because we exclude God from the process. We've adopted the mindset that we can make it on our own and and we'll only bring God in if things don't work out like we want it to work out. But the truth is, things will tend to fail and not work out the way that we want it to work because we try to do them without God. And by doing this, we actually set ourselves up to fail, or at the very least, we set ourselves up to take the longer road to success. So we've got the power and strength of God within us to be self-disciplined according to what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. I'll read it again for you. For the spirit God gave us, for the spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So pastor, how do we tap into that power? How do we tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline? That's the question that we want to wrestle with today. How do we tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline. How do we develop this Christian self-discipline and apply it in real life, in real time? Okay, let, let me give this to you. Number one, let me, number one, come on, I need you to start writing right about here. Number one, I want you to know that the way to tap into that power, the way to tap into the power, is that we have to Set our goals and commit it to God. Set your goals and commit it to God. That's, that's number one. Set your goals and commit it to God. How do we tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline? Set your goals and commit it to God. Now, regardless of what areas of your life you are planning to work on, there must be a goal in sight. There's got to be. Please hear me. There must be a goal in sight, regardless to what area you are determining to work on. There's got to be a goal in sight. Now, the Bible teaches two extremes regarding goals, two extremes regarding goals. All right, here's the first extreme, never setting goals at all never setting goals. That's the first one. And then number two is setting goals with no thought of God. Number one is not setting any goals. Number two is setting goals with no thought of God. Now, the balance alternative is found in James chapter four, verse 15. Here's what James tells us. He tells us, instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, it's good to make plans. That's what James said. It's good to make plans as long as we leave room for God to change our plans. His goals take precedence over ours. Allow me to give you another passage that helps to express this thought even the more. If you go over to Philippians um, chapter three, Philippians chapter three, and I want you to hang out around verse 12, verse 12. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14 in Philippians chapter three. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, apart from this passage being one of the best examples of self-discipline in the Bible, what I love most about this passage is the fact that Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church at a point in his life when he had already accomplished so much from a ministry perspective. He had um, traveled the world preaching the gospel. He's established several churches, he's won thousands of souls to Christ, he's taught and developed many spiritual leaders, he's undergone several persecutions for the cause of Christ, and even given to you and I at least 14 books in the New Testament. And yet his mindset at the time of the verses in Philippians chapter three was that he still had more to do for God. He wasn't concerned about what he had already accomplished. He was focused on what God still had left for him to do. The truth of the matter is that Paul actually wrote the book of Philippians from a prison cell, but he didn't quit or throw in the towel. He was self-disciplined by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue his ministry even while being incarcerated in chains. He knew God had a calling on his life and his goal was to continue the work of that calling until his dying days despite any opposition that would come his way. Now, like Paul, you and I are called to press toward a goal in our spiritual journey, and it might be goals with an S, it might be goals singular, but you and I are called to press toward the goal or goals on our spiritual journey and in other aspects of our lives. So in any pursuit of self-discipline, in any pursuit of self-discipline, we must have a clear goal. I'll say it again. In any pursuit of self-discipline, there must be a clear goal that drives us in times of struggle and in times of opposition. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if your goal is to work on your diet. If it's to lose weight, go back to school, get your degree, whether your your goal is to get out of debt, learn how to cook, to build up your savings account, to quit smoking. It doesn't matter if, if your goal is anger management or to read through the Bible in a year. As believers, we're called to tap into the power of Of the Holy Spirit within us in order for self discipline to stay on course in our lives. And when we commit our goals to God, that not only provides more motivation, but it helps us to keep us focused as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Here's what Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though You were working for the Lord rather than for people. So let me say this again. If we're going to tap into the power, if we're going to tap into that power that the Lord has for us, if we're going to tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline, we need to define our goals and commit those goals to God. All right, here's number two. Number two, number two. If we're going to, if we're going to tap into that power, if we're going to tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline, we're going to have to stop procrastinating and get started. Would you, would you come on and put that in your notes? We're going to have to stop procrastinating and get started. It has been said that procrastination is the thief of time because time is the one thing we can never get back once it's gone. I want you to get this, you all. This is very important. Procrastination is the thief of time because time is the one thing we can never get back once it's gone. Often we hear the excuses of why we procrastinate. Come on, I want you to look at this. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see all of the excuses that we give as to why we procrastinate. We hear excuses like, not sure. Excuses like, perhaps. Excuses like, someday. In time. Here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a famous one. Later, next week, how about this one? Not yet, tomorrow, another day. Let me ask you, why not now? Why not now? I I need you to lean in. I wanna ask you, why not now? In case you didn't know this, let me help you with this. Time is a resource. Really, it's a unique resource. It cannot accumulate like money or be stockpiled like raw materials. We're forced to spend it whether we want to or not at a fixed rate of 60 seconds each minute. It cannot be turned on and off like a machine or replaced like a man. It is, it is irretrievable. Now, we must admit with all of the inequities in life, There is one thing that we all have in common and an equal distribution of, and that is we are all are given the same amount of time each day. God gives each of us 24 hours a day. What we do with our time, however, determines not only how productive we are but how we fulfill the destiny and purpose for which we were created. I'll say it again, here it is, procrastination is the thief of time. It is the thief of time. I want to share with you a few scriptures on how productive we can be if we use time well. Procrastination, let me me do this if you don't mind. I I need you to know this. Um, Pastor, what's the definition for procrastination? Again, I wanna give it to you. Procrastination is willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. Willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. That's what what procrastination is. It's willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. Now, let's look at Proverbs 14, 23. I wanna give you a list of scriptures I want you to hold on to, because these scriptures will show you how important it is for us to utilize our time and how how non-productive procrastination is. Okay. Proverbs 14, 23. Here's what it says. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Wow. Okay. Uh, Look at Proverbs 27, verse one. Put it in your notes. Proverbs 27, verse one. It says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day brings." Hmm. That's Old Testament. I'll flip over to the New Testament for you. Let's go to John chapter nine, verse four, John chapter nine, verse four. It says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Wow. In the gospel, in the gospel, in the gospel, chapter 12, verse 35. It tells us to be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, it says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. I'm trying to demonstrate how procrastination is counterintuitive to self discipline. Success has never come simply by talking about it. We all have plans. We all have goals. We all have dreams. All of us do, but what separates those who are actually successful from those who aren't is their ability to turn those plans, those goals and dreams into action. When it comes to spiritual goals, this is even more true. It's those times when you don't want to go to church, you don't want to fast. You don't want to have devotions. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to pray. You don't want to serve. You don't want to give that. That's those that's when we need to be the most diligent. It's when we push through in those instances that gives us spiritual endurance and self-discipline. The more we stop procrastinating and keep moving forward to do the things God has called us to do, the benefits are endless. Procrastination is willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. Procrastination is willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. And in some people, it is a habitual way of handling any task. Procrastination is putting off until tomorrow what could be done today. Mastering this problem is all about knowing your priorities based upon your goals and learning to have good, Time management skills. We're only on this earth for a short time, so we should be sure to make the best use of every day we are alive. Benjamin Elijah Mays, a Baptist minister, civil rights leader, the president of Morehouse College, quotes a poem entitled, God's Minute. Here's how it goes. I have only just a minute only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. There are a lot of different ways to manage your time, but you have to find the thing that works best for you and the way your life is structured. Some people may list other, um, some, some folk may in fact um, make a list. They, they'll make a list. Some others will set alarms. Other persons will use sticky notes and post-its and put them on mirrors and refrigerators and monitors, etc. Some people will write things on a calendar. There are some of us who literally still write on a calendar. There are some of you who will use the to-do list apps that are on your phone. The method really depends on what works best for you. Once you have some options that seem like they might work, I then want you to ask God to help you to choose one. Here's what James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. All right. So, hey pastor, how do we tap into that power and strength to develop self-discipline? Number one is setting goals, setting goals and committing it to God. Number two is to stop procrastinating and getting started. But here's the third one, be willing to do the necessary work. All right, listen, I'll pick up here next week. Can't wait to get back to you to give you some more practical principles as to how we can begin to tap into the power, tap into the strength of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to develop self-discipline.